0: Everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the Wrap right here on the Fickey Media Network Plus. I'm Keila Cash, and by my side as always is my right hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you as always on this feed. I believe it's Perky Scott Young. Welcome back, Perky.
1: Thank you, Keila. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. And yes, you know here. On the Patreon, I am I am Perky Scott. I'm happy about this conversation that we're gonna have. Uh, nothing's pissed me off yet. I have no reason to be salty. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. But um, I, talking with you, Keila, we're off to a great start.
0: Yes, and because of the time we're recording this show, we're not gonna be throwing NBA shade at each other. We're gonna save that for the free feed. For our listeners out there that listen to us every single Monday, which we greatly appreciate. But we want to take this time to wish everybody a very happy holiday season. And this is a very special edition of The Wrap. We're going to call it the Business Wrap in WWE for the year 2022. This is probably going to go down as one of the more newsworthy, controversial, batshit crazy years in WWE history. A lot of news broke, a lot of moving pieces around the chessboard moved in numerous directions. We had returns, departures, walkouts, rebirths, reboots of things and promotions and stars returning left and right. Scott, what a year it's been for WWE. And we're just going to try to break things down bit by bit regarding returns, departures and so much more.
1: Yeah. It seems like this is kind of the, that was, you know, it feels more like a pivot and this is the new direction that we are now going to go in. Um, I feel like, you know, this is the, you know, the brand new year of a new regime. You know, this feels like a fresh year of a new regime. So when we look back at 2022, that's going to be a year where the change began, where, the 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 changing of the guard truly began as far as the regime in WWE how things are run in WWE how things are operated in WWE. If you think about day one, you know, and and how that that's a Vince McMahon product by through through and through. Brock Lesnar comes in, snatches the title away. I don't have you know babyface Brock was great It fit the story, but that's one hundred percent you know a Vince McMahon type thing to do. We go to the end of the year. The very last pay per view is a NXT a NXT you know style war games match, a Triple H style war games match that he brought from NXT. Completely different, something we would have never gotten. So, you know, no Survivor Series traditional matches. You can just you see the changes. We're getting these good matches. The women are are definitely centerpieces on Raw, especially. I mean they if you really think about it the women carry raw you know th- there are multiple uh women segments that are in, in you know main event they close the show multiple times they're in that 9 p m slot which is an important slot for them um and you can just see how things are are shifting towards different superstars different wrestlers um uh, you know a different style So I think that's what we're going to look back on years to come. When we look at 2022 is the shift that happens and what comes next.
0: It was a year of change, change that was completely unexpected in some ways. And I want to offer a public apology to the NXT Women's Division because I kind of read them a couple of months ago. And a quick order, Walker HBK told us, wait a minute, pause. I have a plan. This division is deep. I'm just going to utilize it differently. And sure enough, we're starting to see people come along like Kiana James. So Ruka is rapidly improving. Is she ready for TV? Not necessarily, but you do see the progression week to week, which I love to see as a fan because it's very important to see stars from the roots up, learn their craft, get better week to week. Do I want to see it on TV necessarily? I'm mixed on it. But you can kind of see where the NXT women's division is going versus where we were maybe three months ago when I said, hmm, I don't see any standouts. But you are really building up people from the ground up, which I really like because is been depleted. There are no vets hardly there that can carry things, and you're relying on newbies to get the job done. And you got a woman in Roxanne Perez, 21 years old, the brand new NXT Women's Champion, and she's the anchor of this division. And that's big for WWE to know that she's your future, and she's only going to get better the more she works and gains experience in this business.
1: Yeah, and I think the the NXT Women's Division in particular, uh, because there are other women who are off TV right now that are also people who really stood out and were rapidly improving. Like a Tiffany Stratton. That's someone that we haven't really talked about lately, but she was really improving and was definitely getting her, getting her feet under her. And I think that's someone who we can look forward to. Uh, Zoe Starks, you could definitely see her getting more comfortable in her character. She's always been a good wrestler, but she's getting more comfortable in her character. Look at what NXT did for someone we're going to talk about later on. Mandy Rose and and Toxic Attraction that entire act you know that 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 is a main event caliber act that again helped carry NXT so and this is something that we're going to touch on you know really get in depth with but NXT is one of the biggest turning points of it and that's really a Vince McMahon thing and I think it was for the better Um, you know we'll, we'll touch on that but just again, 2022 is going to be remembered as the year of change and the year of shift, and and then you know it's going to kind of proceed, you know, predicate what comes next. It's gonna, it's just going to be a very important year when we look back. Like that was the year that everything changed.
0: Definitely, Dave Meltzer is going to need a book. In about the next two to three years, chronicling this entire year mm-hmm. in WWE. Throw in AEW as well, because it's a year for both companies. They won't soon forget. There's an intersection between the two, which we'll get to momentarily. But I just love what we're gonna talk about doing this show as we really dive into the year that was for WWE. And the tipping point for me was Cody Rhodes leaving AEW in early February. And signing with WWE. Now, I knew something was up when word got out that Cody was a free agent. Like, huh? Since when? He was off contract with AEW for a while. And you would assume, oh, obviously he's going to sign back in with AEW. It's going to be a long-lasting relationship. And I know that he was a very polarizing character on dynamite every single week, getting booed and cheered, and he would play into it. But he did not want to be the bad guy. He wanted to be one of the founding fathers of AEW, always revered and respected. And he would kind of shun the fans who would dare boo him. And he was really probably the most captivating character on that show week to week because he never knew what he was going to say or do on the mic, what he was going to do in the ring, set himself on fire, jump off ladders, do crazy shit. And his final match was at beach break. Earlier this year, against Sammy Guevara in a five-star ladder match, and it was one of the last few times I actually liked Sammy Guevara as a character. They had a stellar match, and that was Cody's very last match in AEW, and we had the rumblings of if Cody's a free agent, could he possibly maybe appear at the Warrior Rumble? People thought that was a joke, but in actuality, it could have happened.
1: You know, Cody, you know, he he boxed himself out from the title. And in doing so, he created, he made himself a main event. You know, his matches were main event caliber matches from the production of the matches, from them all feeling different to the presentation of it. And we talked about it on the show. Cody Rhodes coming to WWE was one of the most important, um, or as far, let me rephrase that, Cody Rhodes' presentation after coming to WWE was so important because the big question was, how is it going to be? Is it going to be Cody Rhodes or is it going to be WWE Cody Rhodes? And the answer was, you know, we, we quickly got that answer. He had the same music, same entrance, same ugly neck tattoo, (laughs) big front and center on that WrestleMania screen. And, uh, you know, that's what we wanted though. That's the, that's the Cody Rhodes that people like Keela, that you talked about. That's the Cody Rhodes that was compelling. That's the Cody Rhodes that you know people don't like to talk about it now, but was cutting what people were calling some of the best babyface promos in the game. You know, there was a point in time where Cody Rhodes was the top babyface in wrestling, mm-hmm. cutting those promos. Him going against Jericho for that first feud, those pro- that promo he cut is going to be in the AEW hall, you know, in that in the logs when they talk about the greatest promos in that in that history that that Cody Rhodes promo he cut that's him and so him establishing himself as this main event coming over to WWE and still being able to be that main event it was so important and for it to be Cody you know the the the, the EVP who helped create AEW for him to be the first one to leave and come back i just think the way they presented him was so crucial And I think it laid the groundwork for other wrestlers to come afterwards. If Cody's not presented as well as he is, or even just as straightforward as he was, I think the talking about going from AEW, WWE, I don't think people really want that conversation.
0: Not at all. He was the testing Guinea pig, so to speak. If I jump from AEW to WWE, how they treat me? How I be presented? And he was, and he was presented like the star he was in AEW three years ago, going on four years ago now, since the inception of this company. And you know, when the news broke that he was leaving AEW alongside Brandy Rhodes, I was surprised. But when you find out the guy was working out with was working without a contract for a while it didn't sound like he was going back and it sounded like he was coming back the WWE and one of the great scavenger hunts of the year was where was Cody going to show up? Will it be Jacksonville for Monday night raw? Will it be Chicago? Will it be Atlanta? Where will Cody show up prior to WrestleMania? And it was a fun cat and mouse game. WWE knew exactly what they were doing. And Seth freaking Rollins was the opponent. And he had to wait week after week after week to see if he's going to be a part of the WrestleMania card and it built up to WrestleMania, which we'll get to momentarily. And I just like the anticipation of when will he show up? Where will he show up? How will the fans react? And you could hear the fervor every single week, wanting Cody to appear before the people prior to WrestleMania. But it was the perfect way to sell WrestleMania, to make you wait and anticipate for his return at the biggest show of the year.
1: And there was no... As far as Cody Rhodes go, there's no better place for him to return. Cody Rhodes is all about the grand you know, the grand scale of things. And that's what he did best at AEW. That's why he stood out in AEW because he everything he did was just so much bigger than everyone else. His entrance was always bigger. I mean, I think that's why no one else had Pyro, is because they used it at the beginning of the show and then for Cody's entrance. And they were like, well, guys, we don't have anything left. You know, so when they had a title change, they were like, Hey Cody, we got to, you can't have an entrance tonight, so we're just gonna have you in a backstage skit. So we need that for the celebration at the end of the title change. So, you know, they had to budget that. And the same thing with WWE, you know, look, WrestleMania, they can they can spread the, the paycheck a little bit more. So that's why he got his big one. But they were like, Look, we can't give you the full one, so we're gonna have to just give you like half of what you normally get on your little whoa. We can you only give you half of those fireworks right there. Um but in all seriousness like I just, I, the, again, that goes back to Cody establishing himself as a main event, him, himself, not the title, nothing else. What he was involved in was the main event. And again, let, let's also give credit where credit's due to who, in my opinion, has got to be in the conversation for MVP for WWE, Seth Rollins was the perfect foil for Cody to go against because Cody needed to have a banger of a match. He needed to come back and show that he's not the same Cody Rhodes because the same Cody Rhodes would not have had that great of a match because that was a great match and they, they put on a great match and they had to do that. WrestleMania, like we're going to get to, like we're going to talk about was one of those moments where it's like, wow, this is what WWE can do when they're really hitting on all cylinders.
0: And let's talk about WrestleMania, shall we? Because Cody was the impetus to WrestleMania's night one and two going down from the at and Stadium in Arlington, Texas by way of Dallas almost. And I thought this year's WrestleMania changed the perception game. This was a true test of what a two-night WrestleMania could be post-pandemic, packed houses, no restrictions, let's go. And from the set to the cards, to everything in between. I thought this was the best put-together WrestleMania since maybe WrestleMania 31 in Santa Clara, California, way back in 2015, to pull off two nights of WrestleMania on this scale was impressive. And it felt like WWE was sending a message. Nobody can do it bigger or better than us. We go back to this year's Warrior Rumble, which I thought was probably their worst show of the year. It was so anticipated. There was excitement. You had casual fans coming back. You had people that were like, oh, you know what? I'm not fucking with WWE these days, but it's a Warrior Rumble. I'm going to come through. And it was a fucking disaster. It was terrible. Both Royal Rumbles underserved and it left a sour taste in people's mouths. But then WrestleMania rolls around and I kind of heard feedback online from people like, oh, this card kind of sucks. But I kept saying, we kept saying, actually, you know what? This is a rare case where I would say as a fan, turn off the noise on social media and enjoy the show. We sold WrestleMania on the wrap every single week thinking to ourselves, you know What? I think this show is going to over-deliver. Every match won't be a hit, but I guarantee you these two nights will be a success to make up for the Wumble, and sure enough, it did.
1: And, you know, there were absolutely some star-making performances at WrestleMania. Um, you know, I continue, I think every, you know, this WrestleMania was another star-making performance for Bianca Belair. I think she continued to show that she shines brightest on the biggest stage. She's had her best matches in her biggest matches. Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch. Those are some of the best matches I think she's ever had. And those were the biggest moments she's ever had. Logan Paul. Let's, you know, let's talk about him. That, that was a star because that opened a lot of eyes and made people take a look like, oh wow, he's serious about this. Like, and he's really good at this. And, Let's, you know, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and throw the shade. I, I, I'll do it. I'm feeling good. We're having a good conversation. We'll do it. Not, not too many people are getting a four-star match out of Miz these days. Logan Paul <laughs> got a four-star match out of Miz, okay? Like, that came from WrestleMania. That happened because of WrestleMania. Um, you know, Keilah, I, I agree with most, most of what you said as far as WrestleMania being this great event, there was one thing I really didn't like about WrestleMania. Um, I didn't like that Vince McMahon decided to step back in the ring. We'll forget about that. Stone Cold Steve Austin returns to the ring. You know, WrestleMania showed just the... I, I loved how you put that. Nobody does it bigger. Nobody does it... When you talk about grand scale, when you talk about... Feeling like a Super Bowl event, nobody does it better when WWE is at their best. Stone Cold versus Kevin Owens exceeded every expectation you could have ever had for Stone Cold having a match at WrestleMania. It was it was incredible. It was an absolutely incredible thing for, and I I, I gushed about it after the show. I'm someone who didn't get to watch Stone Cold in his prime you know in his heyday as it was happening i had to go back and watch it and it's, it's not the same you know you don't get that same feeling for me to just just to get a taste just to just to get a little just to get a little taste of the of the greatness of the all-time greatness that was stone cold was incredible for me like rest that wrestlemania is an all-time pay-per-view and i i, I just I love how you put that, that nobody does it bigger. And that was as big as you could do it.
0: It was really a special night made up of that 32 mess back in 2016. It was an all right show, but it felt like it was the first WrestleMania that was about let's break the record for the most people out of WrestleMania. Let's focus less on the car. Let's focus on the fluff of it all. And I didn't like that mania very much. This was a nice make good. I really loved the two nights. Vince withstanding taking the worst stunner ever. And oh. beating up Pat McAfee—that was horrifying. But on the plus side, as you mentioned, Stone Cold's return to the ring, first time in 19 years, exceeded ex- ex- exceeded every expectation. You got to see this guy. Put in work and look good. And you can feel him as the match kept going. He was getting his shit in. He realized I still got it. And it was beautiful. And Kevin Owens was tremendous as a troll for weeks playing the music and egging the fans on, thinking he's going to return on a random Monday Night Raw. We had to wait for WrestleMania. It was worth the wait. Bianca Belair, amazing performance at WrestleMania. What got me when we did our review originally earlier this year was she got a fucking drum line for our entrance and it was incredible. I got chills seeing it and listening to it. And it was a vibe and it was like, this is special, really, really special stuff. And then we get to Cody's return. And I know the WWE is wanting that elusive Emmy advice, go for sports Emmys. Cause how you shot his return, the look on Seth's face from oh, it's Cody to this motherfucker's really here. The range of emotions on Seth's face, Cody's return, the pyro, the ugly tattoo graphics on the screen, which were hideous, but it was fitting because it was a sign like this is actually happening. The pop gave me chills as well. Him coming through and the announcer saying it like Justin Roberts would in AEW. It was a moment that felt, unreal because just months ago this guy was in AEW being one of the centerpieces of that show and now he's at Wrestlemania getting a hero's welcome getting unanimous Cody chants and he puts in a great performance against Seth Rollins and then it leads to a trilogy of great matches that just kept getting better and better and Wrestlemania was the jumping point for it all and you know
1: Wrestlemania wasn't all you know serious matches and stuff like that WrestleMania was another eye-opening performance from MVP of WWE, Sami Zayn, or another candidate, Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. I mean, who would have thought that would have been enjoyable? That was my bathroom break, and then I started watching. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll save that. I'll hold that. Um, <laughs> I mean, like it was, again, fun match. I I just think that it showed that you can have something for everybody, and I think that is something that WWE – has done really well when it comes to most, most of their PLEs and their bigger events. Like SummerSlam, I think they do a good job of providing the big moments, giving the wrestlers, the wrestling wrestling fans, the real hardcore fans, those matches, and then giving the casual fans something. There's a reason Logan Paul is all over all these cards too. So WrestleMania was, I like how you mentioned it was a turning point to just kind of show people that, hey, we're still here. AEW is 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 the new toy. They're hot. They've got the they've got a lot of momentum. They've got fresh faces. It's hard to compete with fresh faces, but we're still we're still the pinnacle. We're still the benchmark. We're still the number one promotion in the
0: world. It was a statement. It was a statement mania, and I loved it. Pat McAfee was great until he got beat down by Vince. <sighs> then he threw the stunner and drunk a bee on the floor, which I laughed at. He's amazing. I miss Pat. Come back soon on SmackDown, my dear. Another highlight for me was what you mentioned, Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville, the whole jackass gang. We had so much fun reviewing that match. It gave us so much joy. And Johnny Knoxville just got it. He just relished this role for months, and it was so much fun. And Sami Zayn was the MVP of it all. And look where he is now, Sammy Uso, a part of the bloodline. You think about the main event. The biggest main event you could put together, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, a match that people didn't want to see. But you know what? Brock Lesnar came back and he was a different Brock Lesnar. He was Cowboy Brock talking shit, being confident, being funny and charismatic and carrying on his own without Paul Heyman being his mouthpiece. And you had Roman elevating his game, entering God mode, and they sold this match repeatedly on pay-per-views for a year and a half and I bit every single time because regardless of the repetitiveness and how drawn out it is and how much I might not want to see it again it delivered on every level the hype for this match absolutely lived up to what we got at Wrestlemania
1: and it was another chapter in this ongoing Roman Reigns story, uh, you mentioned he entered God mode. He becomes the double champion, which is this continuing ongoing story. And I also think that the, Brock Lesnar coming back and being Cowboy Brock, being this great babyface, I mean great babyface, arguably one of the best babyfaces in the game at the time, him coming back and showing that he's able to do that after just being this ass kicker, I mean that's that's essentially all he was is just this hitman for hire killer who would just come in and toss you around. Now he's having some fun. This dude's telling knock knock like he he's telling knock knock jokes. Knock knock Bobby Bobby who you know what I mean? Like he's he's out there having a ball. And so I I think it was that just showed another side of Brock Lesnar. It gave us another chapter in the Roman Reigns story. And like you said, people said they were sick of the match. They had their best match probably, I think it was probably the best match they've had following that at SummerSlam um, when Brock Lesnar decided to just flip the whole script, including the ring.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, that tractor spot will go down as one of the most iconic moments in WWE history. And that was another way to say this feud, no matter how many times it happens, will never get old because Brock just added a different level to his character, which was absolutely lovable, but a badass the exact same time. And that was another guy Sammy Zayn had incredible chemistry with. I would want that to be revisited someday, too. Just Sammy in general has had an amazing year between WrestleMania and now the end of the year on SmackDown coming up very soon, teaming with Roman Reigns. And now we know it will be Kevin Owens alongside John Cena versus Roman Reigns and Sammy Uso in Tampa, on December 30th, the last WWE show of the year. And it's all full circle. And I love it.
1: And these are the two guys who were free agents, you know, and the big thing was, are they going to resign? And not only did they get the bag, you know, Kevin Owens gets a main event versus stone cold, Steve Austin, which has got to be any, any wrestlers dream match to close out of WrestleMania with stone cold, Steve Austin. Um, and then, Sami Zayn is the integral centerpiece right now. Well, maybe not the centerpiece, but he is absolutely the integral piece of this bloodline storyline. So to see where they were from being almost not resigning to resigning to main eventing, Sammy goes from having this, you know, quote unquote garbage match, which was a lot of fun with Johnny Knoxville, to now being in the biggest storyline in wrestling. It shows the range and just how good those two are.
0: They are exceptional. And I will never forget Kevin. Owens was mentioning if I don't do anything else in WWE, I peaked with Stone Cold Steve Austin, main eventing WrestleMania. What else can I possibly do? And he's right. He resigned for a reason and he got rewarded big time. Sami Zayn, the exact same situation to really carry a feat with Johnny Knoxville and for it to be highly entertaining weeks on weeks at a time on SmackDown culminating in WrestleMania, then moving on to the bloodline. And I kind of predicted the storyline end when Vince was in charge. If you remembered Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn reuniting as best friends in a tag team, dethr- dethroning the Usos between now and WrestleMania, that's becoming a reality slowly, but surely, and I absolutely love it. And it all started at WrestleMania, the basis for the restart of what WWE can be when they're at their best. And I just thought that this year's WrestleMania was definitely a palate cleanser for the Warrior Rumble, which was the initial show that gave fans so much hope. But Lord have mercy, it was a disaster on every level.
1: Well, that was the Shane McMahon horror, horror <laughs> motion picture show.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> That is when Succession Games began and ended for Shane McMahon because, Lord, he really put a number on the Men's Warrior Rumble. And I want to also publicly apologize to Bianca Belair because I said, gosh, she was confused because Vince kept changing the match 15 times 24 hours before the Rumble matches. No wonder she was confused because everyone was confused because Tamina, Tamina, I would never let this go. She was what? Dictating the pace? What? And I love (laughs) Tamina, but hell no. No. And then Sasha, who we'll get to shortly, being eliminated early. Huh?
1: They didn't like the splits. They weren't happy with the splits she did. You see, they cut the camera real quick when she tried to mock Melina. She's like, no, 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 no. He won't be doing that.
0: Yeah, I have to go back in time because I want to commemorate this. So Scott and I were working together for roughly two months. And, you know, we've had a good relationship going on on air, a lot of fun. That moment when he mentioned Melina and the splits was the first time he broke me on this show. (laughs) I collapsed from laughter because his reenactment on the air, what happened? And then my brain processing, wow, she really did the splits and didn't care about anything else
1: i mean seriously if if we're, if we're gonna if we're gonna go back she she, she literally just did this split and was was struggling like, it, it it took a minute it took a minute and and then like the salt in the wound was sasha being like oh real quick why, while you're down there, let me just show you what you were trying to do real quick, real quick while I got time because I got time today. I got 30 more seconds before the next intro comes in. I got time today. Melina's out there like, hold on, hold on, guys. Hold on. Sasha, hold on. 15 more seconds. <laughs> just get in the ring. Like, once the first one does it, you got to just roll in and, and do your thing, you know, hit a big move and then try to the split
0: again. I wasn't ready for it then. <laughs> no, you,
1: you, 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 listen, I, I'll i take that if you want me to, but you broke yourself. You, you, you broke yourself.
0: No, no, no. You did that. Because I wasn't thinking about it. And then the moment you went into a play-by-play breakdown of what happened, I lost it. Because it was true. And then I thought about it, and I just kept laughing because that's exactly what happened
1: it's just it's It's very illogical when you think <laughs> about it <laughs> like i I get it, I get it you know you you're trying to come back and you're like, "I got it, I still got it and you and you do still got it, but you, there are certain times where it, if it doesn't happen on the first try, you' just got like, go, all right, it's cool, we'll get it back, you know, but you can you can't just stay there and Sasha showed you. You got to gotta keep it moving. You got to keep it moving. You have plenty of time. And then the nerve of you just starts splitting afterwards on the floor. <laughs> like the camera's not on you anymore. It's not paying attention to you and you splitting on the floor. For who? Johnny ain't out there. Batista not there. Who are we splitting for out
0: there? <sighs> It's been 11 and a half months, and I still have not recovered from this. I am in tears right now, because it would never get old. Trauma. It is traumatizing, but it is hilarious. And from that point forward, Scott's been my (laughs) (laughs) co-captain. Full on, in name and in actuality, because Uh. that did it. That moment right there cemented our partnership forever. And thank him. I was sold at that moment. And we've been breaking each other ever since. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the starting point. Melina and her goddamn splits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank God, God for rumble.
1: Sasha. Somebody could do the splits right.
0: Thank God in the Sailor Moon outfit. God bless her. Now, the orbs, you know, y'all did my girl wrong. The orbs did not hold up past the first round of this rumble. Y'all did her foul. The bun heads were falling apart. We could have did better by her. But you know what? I love the spirit of the idea.
1: It was a good go for You know, the, the costume looked good. Sasha looked great. So um, cheddar biscuits all around for me.
0: <laughs> Another great rib, the cheddar biscuits. And Scott tried to accuse me of just handing biscuits out. Left You know, accusations. Re- accusations. False accusations of me handing out biscuits to only champions or people associated with champions. And I want to clarify the first person that got those cheddar biscuits was Matt Catmoss, and he had no championship. And then my co captain is going to tell me, well, Happy Corbin has money. He's one at the poker table. He's got a World Series of poker bracelet trying to create shit just to nail me on accusations that weren't true.
1: Listen, I also think at the time that Emma was a impact tag champion at the time. So again, you know what? it's all connected to gold. I'm <laughs> yeah. just, you know, I, listen, I'm just I'm just connecting the dots. I've been I've been doing a lot of, I've been following in the steps of HBK, Walker, Texas, Michael's. <laughs> Uh, Ranger, and uh, you know I've been trying to do been getting on my detective work, uh, because you know he's got to have a black co-captain, um, God. so, <laughs> um, we're doing the reboot, and uh, so I, I'm just connecting the dots. That's all, and I, I just remember that Emma, I'm pretty sure she was a a tag champion at that point.
0: So you're trying to nail me on these allegations. No matter what. So if I'm just picking people who are champions or associated with champions, you're trying to go back in time to see if Emma was a tag team (laughs) champion to confirm whether or not I am biased towards the people at the cheddar biscuit table. I do not appreciate that.
1: It's fair. Um, And listen, if you are biased, it's fine. I'm biased. You know, I admit it. You got to have you got to bring something to the table. I think I might start doing the gold thing, too you got to start having some championship gold to get some championship or the splits. You either can do the splits or you got to have championship gold.
0: You know, you're trying to change the rules for next year. <laughs> it's a new it's, year. It's a new year. So the qualifications are championships and splits. If you can do both, fantastic. I hate you, by the way. Just trying to just sully these biscuits because Matt Cap was the first. And for the record, Ludwig has the most biscuits at the table.
1: And that's fair, and, and, and you know what? Lubick doesn't have any gold. Madcap, he do not even wrestle. Um, so, oh, wow. You know, you're you're absolutely right. I, I do. I do think that is the the accusations, the false accusations that I bestowed upon you. I'll take back.
0: No, you don't. <laughs> no,
1: I don't. But you do. No, but, you don't. But but the, the 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 thought, the thought was there.
0: I still don't forgive you for throwing that on me, but we'll move on because that's what we do here. As we just jump from business to just stuff. That's what we do here on this show, <laughs> which is always fun. We have to light we have to lighten up the mood because it's about to get very heavy these next couple of topics. Cause the next topic, after WrestleMania, we think it's great times in WWE. It's up from here. And then we get the news in early May that Sasha Banks and Naomi, then WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, walk out of WWE during an episode of Monday Night Raw. I think before the show went on the air, not during, because WWE likes to fabricate and make themselves look good. Because there was supposed to be, I believe, a a six-pack challenge of some sort to determine Bianca's next opponent for the Raw Women's Championship at, I believe, Hell in a Cell. And I think one match is going to go to Naomi and then Sasha would face Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship at the same pay-per-view the following month. And they were like, well, we're the tag team champions. We don't like our tag team titles being put on ice. We kind of want to work with Nikki, Ash, and Drop, kind of get them over as a tag team and get these titles over in the process. And they were like, you know what? This is an accumulation of frustration. We're over this crap. Throw the titles down on the table. They left and they have not been back ever since. We had WWE release a very harsh statement saying they let the fans down. They let us all down. They did this. They did that. Poor Michael Cole after praising Sasha and Naomi, two Black strong women as tag team champions. He has to say they let us all down. They disappointed us. And ever since then, we always wondered, will they come back? And there was an opening during the new regime of it, ha- of it possibly happening, but uh, it's not going to happen, I don't believe, at least not for Sasha Banks. As we found out earlier this week, via numerous reports from FIFO Select and PW Insider, that WWE and Sasha Banks negotiated her release months ago, and she's free agent as of New Year's Day. 2023 and she is booked for new japan you can pretty much book her for stardom and possibly AEW down the road this was a big mess and i defended sasha and naomi through it all because i'm like this you take a stand when you feel something ain't right and creative and come to find out in wwe a lot of stuff wasn't right behind the scenes and i'm proud they took that stance but i'm looking at wwe you let a person in Sasha Banks go that can bring so much to your company because you don't want to pay her Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair Money, to me, that's a choice. Not a good one. Naomi, I love her too. I, I think she had a great year prior to her departure from WWE. I don't know what her future holds, but I think this was a mistake by WWE to let it go as far as it did, to not lock them down, to not negotiate and get them on a contract that was feasible and meaningful for both of them, that can give them leeway to do the things outside of wrestling. But this is where we are right now. And this walkout, I think we have reverberations for years to come, how it all played out.
1: And with the Sasha Banks thing <clears throat> and, and Naomi, as far as being tag champions and not wanting to uh, do the separate, we'll each you know have a title match thing. Sasha just did that like the year before with Bayley. The whole story was, you know, Bayley was the double champion. But Sasha was also going after gold too. Remember, she "quote unquote" beat Asuka for the title and was holding the title, so they all had all four belts. So Sasha just did that. She just had a story like that, so that makes complete sense that she wouldn't want to do that. And Naomi, I don't mean this as a knock, but Naomi's probably like, all right, yeah, that's cool. You know, I, if you you know you want to you want to make these tag titles mean something, I, I'm with that. I I rock with you. You know, whatever you she. Sasha's probably leading the charge as it should be. she's got the most pool, I would think you know, as far as her her status as a as a where she is in the women's division um you know one thing I do want to touch on as far as the the pay thing, I think Becky Lynch is worth every single penny you pay her, and I think she has earned whatever amount she is being paid. I think Charlotte Flair has earned every amount she is being paid currently. I don't think Charlotte Flair, when her contract comes up for renegotiations, gets Charlotte Flair money right now. So I, I agree with you. Sasha Banks should have been paid. You open the checkbook for her. She is like that. But I'm seeing a lot of, you know, she, you know, Becky Lynch isn't this. Becky Lynch isn't that. I'm 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 here to cut that out. Becky Lynch is all of that. Becky Lynch is everything she claims to be. Becky Lynch is the reason that those women may have been at that WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey may have been the name, but Becky Lynch was the emotional connection to that match that the people cared about, that the people rallied behind. Like, there's a Becky Lynch, just like Sasha Banks, is a huge part of why Bianca Belair is, in my opinion, the top babyface in WWE. Because of those two women and the time and effort they put into getting her over. And so I think Becky Lynch is worth every single penny you pay her and deserves to be paid accordingly. And that's not saying – like you can say Sasha deserves to be paid without saying that Becky doesn't. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of. And I'm I'm here to cut that out because Becky is worth every penny and Sasha should have been paid too. And I agree with you. This Sasha loss is going to hurt, man because she's a game changer. She's somebody who can literally elevate that AEW women's division because let's keep it 100, that's that's the big that's the big eyes. that's where the eyeballs are going to like when is that going to happen? That's the big question. And she's a game changer. She's someone who goes there and instantly elevates the game. Let's 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 remember who is the one person who beat the the demo god in the wars in the head to head wars. It was Sasha Banks. Every time she came down, she was the highest rated segment. Every time. When she made a vintage versus EO Shirai, I think it was at the, the Great American Bash, they beat, and they beat AEW, I'm pretty sure, in the demo. That's the Sasha Banks effect. You don't have women like that. Like Bianca Belair is on her way, but Sasha's just different, man. She's just different. And you don't have women, you don't have a lot of women that are different like that. And you had two black women. Who are built different like that. And you. It's, this is going to be a big loss for WWE.
0: They're going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. In many ways. Because you don't let someone like Sasha Banks go. You simply do not. She may have been at WrestleMania nearly two years ago. And you say that she's not worth Becky Lynch money. Yes, she is. Every penny. Every penny. Period. And I have a bold prediction. Sasha Banks, she's gonna be in stardom. It's gonna put that promotion on the map even more so than it is right now. Might fuck around and give him a TV deal in this country, bigger than access TV, bold prediction. Think wow, Women arrest is doing something? That's nice. Sasha Banks has capability of changing the entire landscape of stardom and they're paying her the money she's rightfully owed. I think about AEW. There is an event, January 11th, Kia Forum, LA. Soraya has a mystery partner. You want to bet it's Sasha Banks? You think Mercedes not debuting in that building and you don't reserve that date for no reason. You don't wait for it for a month. Something's happening. I can assure you she'll be on TV every single week. She won't be in the background on the internet shows or on Rampage. She'll be front and center driving storyline on Dynamite and that's WWE's mistake. You really going to let that happen? As she should be.
1: As she should be. She is a centerpiece, uh a centerpiece person that you build around. Um you know, again, and and we have the Bianca Belair, we have Becky Lynch, we have Bailey, we have Foundation in WWE. But Sasha, we're going to see like we've seen the impact of Sasha Banks not being around like the a huge gap we have when it comes to Bailey Becky Lynch Bianca Rhea Ripley and then the rest of the women i mean that's that's essentially what it is right now and sasha was kind of that lynchman she was able to no one's really elevating anyone no one's elevating talent you know bianca you know, I, I mentioned that they 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 got Bianca, you know, create got her over more. You know, she was a star; she's becoming more of a star and getting more. But no one's is coming from the bottom of that women's division and, and being a player. You know, you could say Liv Morgan, but that's Becky Lynch. You know, like no one, they don't have a lot of people who are able to elevate. And Sasha's done that. Bailey hasn't elevated anybody. I don't think this feud with Bianca's done any, done her any favors as far as making her seem more dominant than what she was. I mean, utility people like Sasha Banks that you can plug anywhere who have a connection can be babyface or heel dependent on the week. Like she is the, the, she's like a female Kevin Owens. You can do anything with Kevin Owens. Like I feel like Kevin Owens is a heel one week and he was just feuding with Elias. Now he's or Ezekiel. And now he's teaming with Elias. And it's like, cool, dude, whatever. Okay. It's, it, like, you can't do that with everybody. But Sasha's that type of star. And she's on the Mandalorian. Like, I would have kept her just for that. Just to keep her with the Disney Plus connection. And now you're giving her to, to the TBS network and stuff. Like, they love playing Star Wars. You're going to see her just on random commercials all the time. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, like they love playing Star Wars. They play Star Wars all the time. Next thing you know, you just go, hey guys, welcome to the Star Wars watch along. I'm Mercedes. And you're going to see all this stuff. I'm AEW superstar. She's going to start being on Saturday night live and all that stuff. She has the personality, the appeal, the looks. All that stuff matters. And let's also keep it 100. She's a black female in the game who can change the game and reaches a different demographic. They have Jade, and they're both two black women, but they reach two. In my opinion, they reach two different, you know, sectors in that black demographic. To me, like those are two different car- people they reach. And Sasha, I man, she's just such a game changer. I, I just think you get so much with her. You you got to open the checkbook. And I think I think same thing with Bianca because she's up next and she's somebody you got to open the checkbook for. You've invested way too much into Bianca to not. And I just this has got to have an impact on that because if I'm Bianca, I'm thinking, well, if you're not paying Sasha, I wonder what's going to happen when it's my time because I'm getting
0: I'm getting paid. Where my paper at? That's the question. That's it. That is a good question. I always go back to The Mandalorian too, and when it first aired on Disney Plus, it was a hit. And and Sasha Banks is on season two and she's on SmackDown and Fox and Disney do have this nice cross-promotional relationship of guess what? We can advertise the Mandalorian on Fox during SmackDown and not one time the WWE mentioned, oh, by the way, Sasha Banks is on the Mandalorian. You can say that because Fox is going to advertise the goddamn show because it's a Disney property and they own the fucking library.
1: It's silly. I, I you just laid it out right there. It's silly. Like you let me tell you one thing. Tony Kong will take advantage of that. Tony Kong will be advertising the hell out of it. Hey, guess what, guys? We got the Star Wars special coming up, and guess who's gonna be there? Mercedes. Check her out. You know, you know how Tony get all excited <laughs> and stuff. I, I'm making jokes, but like real talk. Tony is going to get the most out of her and utilize her star power to the fullest as he should. And That's just that's what I think WWE is just really they're going to miss the most is they're not going to have that that female, that female who can go out and just reach so many different demographics and people connect and want to see her.
0: That is so important. And look at the SmackDown Women's Division right now. Right. It is pathetic. And that is something I cannot walk back because that division sucks. And I like a lot of women in that in that division, but right now it's no good because of how it's booked. And there is an absence felt with Sasha Banks not there. Naomi missing. Charlotte Flair has been gone for well over six months. And when you don't have one of your key players and Sasha Banks who you can sign at any time and you think she's not worth it, look at your division. Look at SmackDown. And look at how, and look how thin it is in terms of star power on the women's side and you think she's not worth the money to pay to get her back there alongside Naomi to possibly help your tag team division, help your singles division. Cause Lord knows, as I keep saying, it needs Jesus.
1: Well, my thing is, who are you paying this? Like where is the money that you don't want to pay her? What are you using that towards? Who are you giving that to to pay? Like what, what woman are you paying that you value more than Sasha? Because you know I'm not for anybody losing their job, but if I got to choose between some some of the women on the roster and Sasha Banks, you know I I'm gonna take Sasha. Like those Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky for right now, and Bianca's and Bianca Asuka, they're right there in that mix. But those four should be your pillars because they've proven, or at least they should be the people that you just are like, yeah, we're okay, we'll. Whatever we need to do to keep you and keep you happy. Because they can do anything. Like you can put them anywhere and they make anything relevant. Regardless of how we feel about Charlotte Flair, she makes things seem important. She makes her matches feel. There's, there's an importance there. When Charlotte's wrestling, it's like, all right, let's see what happens with this. If somebody beats Charlotte, it means something. Same thing with Sasha Banks. Like she can take a loss. And bounce back the very next week and feel like a main event player. Like, uh, this is uh, 2022 is going to be a year that's talked about for so many reasons. WWE had a really good year and did a lot of great things in 2022. This is going to be one of those things where it's like, damn.
0: They messed it up. This is probably the black mark of the year for them, this walkout. And I stand by Sasha, I stand by Naomi for their resolve to say, "Uh uh-uh, and I support them. We stood by them this entire time. I'm still going to stand by them wherever they go next, outside of WWE, but the year 2023 would be the year of Mercedes Renato. Believe that. She's going to send a message saying, well, it's your loss, it's my gain, and I'm changing the game And good for her. Naomi, I wish her the best of luck as well, because, you know, that wasn't an easy decision to make. She did it. But most importantly, they stood side by side through it all. And they got some good bookings out of it, too, side by side through it all.
1: I'll throw this prediction out there. If if Sasha Banks or Mercedes signs with AEW, like and signs a contract and um, and she's there full time. I think she becomes the first woman to close a pay-per-view for AEW. I think whatever she wins that title, whoever it's against, I think it it might be Jay. They might build it up and be Jay because she's the type of woman who can get that star-making performance out of her if they wanted to do that. But I think she becomes the first woman to close a pay-per-view if she signs with AEW and becomes a full-time wrestler there because she's got that type of – she can do that and it, and people will believe it and people will be happy and excited for it like i could absolutely see petty con being like you know what you got your bianca sasha banks i'm going to do my mercedes and jade we'll have our own we'll have our first two black women main event and close a pay-per-view like and why not and why not you have arguably the biggest women's wrestler in the game versus your literal pet project who has established herself and, and improved greatly herself. Why not? It's a, That's a perfect storm.
0: And I am not going to let you off the hook for your Tony Khan impersonation minutes ago. <laughs> that was something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Was I wrong?
0: No, you were absolutely dead on. <laughs> I can't even lie to you and say, you know what? That wasn't accurate because it was. And uh, Petty Khan can call it the money match. That's what he can call it for the main event. The money match between Mercedes and Jade because they're licensed to print money and they're about their money. And I love it. So I want all the money for this matchup for whatever championship is on the line very, very soon, preferably in the main event spot. Dare I say the money match at Double or nothing it all works for me wow hey listen we could we could legit be speaking
1: something into existence you know uh, you know that but that's I we're we're talking about AEW but but this has to do with like Mercedes and Sasha Banks and this is this is the impact of Sasha Banks we are talking about somebody who's not with the company anymore and what impact she could have somewhere else because of how big she is and how good she is. Like, we're not talking about Bianca as, like, I'm not talking about Bianca as the best baby face in the game. You know, if Sasha Banks, if they don't have that classic at WrestleMania to close it out. If they don't have that classic, we ain't talking about Bianca. She's not even in the conversation with them, in my opinion. But because she was able to do that, and Sasha Banks has got to get a huge part of that. That's why we're talking about her. And I could absolutely see Tony Khan be like, listen, I need you to create my mega star." You know, we, and, and so who knows what'll happen, but I just, I think that, I think this whole conversation proves the Sasha effect that we just went into an AEW combo for five minutes about what effect she could have. And you talked about stardom. She's when she goes to IWGP and cause my, I was going to have a bold prediction later and say that I thought potentially that Kairi Sane is the IWDP champion could show up in the Royal Rumble as a surprise entrant. I think that's out the window with Mercedes potentially going there. You know, you don't want to give her any extra attention, but that's a huge matchup too.
0: Absolutely. And it's probably going down very soon. They got the bag ready for, they're paying a lot of money and stardom trying to break through in this country too, with some new Japan strong synergy heading into these tour dates this year. It's a big year. And Mercedes is going to move that needle for them in a big way. And that's exciting for stardom, which is already great. But can you imagine Mercedes there kicking ass against some of the greatest ladies in the world today in stardom? I'm just, wow, celebrating it a thought because she's really gonna help this promotion elevate themselves even more from the amazing year they've already had on pay-per-view.
1: And and the other thing about it is you know we keep talking about elevating 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 she's not only going to do that but she's just going to bring a whole nother attention to that imagine like she's going to bring more eyes to new japan the new japan world and all that stuff than guys like okada guys like naito the people who have you know the 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 mainstays there she's going to bring so many so much more attention To that, just, you know, because they'll be watching that like, oh, well, what else is over here in this New Japan stuff? You know, IWGP champion, who's the IWGP men's champion? Like, there's going to be a little bit more, I think, more crossover from Sasha bringing fans there. And I think that's going to kind of leak over a little bit to the men's part, too.
0: Absolutely. And I cannot wait for it. Just to think about it, where we were six months ago to now. Can't wait for 2023 for Sasha Banks to change the game in the best possible way. And changing the game also happened with Vince McMahon because it's kind of funny how karma works when people rightfully walk out after some bullshit and the boss man himself gets caught up in a sex payment scandal broken first by the Wall Street Journal. And it was a drip drip release every few weeks of more payment 1.3 here, 3.5 there, 7.5 there. It was just more and more details of Vince paying off women to keep his their little secrets about his affairs behind the scenes. John Laurinaitis got caught up as well, and they both lost their jobs both lost power in short order a day we thought we would never see happen in WWE because Vince declared years ago in a Bloomberg interview he would die in the chair and he resigned on Twitter over the summer and said at 76, I'm done. I've had my fun. I'm out of here. But as soon as that news breaks, we get the documentary of Vince McMahon and his nine lives on Vice. And ironically enough, when we're prepping for this show, we get more news from the Wall Street Journal of lawsuits pending for Vince, once again, regarding sexual assaults at a spa and the Rita Chattelton case from decades ago being brought up. And the fact that Vince possibly maybe wants back in, in WWE, in a position of power, and this company's thriving without him being there financially, and in terms of ticket sales and viewership, not so much on Monday Night Raw, but year to year, they're still up in terms of the key demographics. But just the prospects of this guy having the audacity to come back after everything that's gone down, and the fact in the same article, you get people dripping stories about you- there is someone on the inside that does not want you back. So it's a warning shot. Try it. And if you dare, we're going to really expose you. And I don't think he wants that by jeopardizing the future of this company in terms of its stock value for a sell down the road. But your thoughts on how all of this changed for Vince in short order from leaving the company and giving up the book to Triple H?
1: Well, <clears throat> Vince McMahon is one of the worst people ever, but he's also just incredibly compelling because this same man who is essentially a scumbag can also be the same guy who would you know give you the shirt off his back, which is why he's he's like why it's so like why people are so compelled by him, and I think it's part of the reason why he's been able to fight off all of this for so long because of that because of that dynamic cuz he he's a scumbag that that's essentially what he is yet he's he's the scumbag who will you know do the right thing when he's got that when he's got the eyes on him when people are watching and he got caught and this is what happens i don't feel bad for him you know i i don't i don't have any type of sorrow for him john Laurinaitis... <laughs> that dude can kick rocks and people can kick rocks at him while he's kicking his own rocks. And I don't care, especially the way he did, um, uh, Miss Bella. So, you know, uh, uh, Bri and Nikki's mom. So I, you know, that, that whole thing, he, he gets what he deserves. He's a scumbag too. So this whole thing for me, um, you know, and honestly, you know what, this whole Vince McMahon thing, him trying to come back and, you know he got bad stories. He got bad advice, and should have just waited the storm out. You know what? I hope he does come back, and I hope he does try to wait the storm out because I want all of it to come out. Because we talked about this on the show when the first stories came out and they were starting to leak out. You're not gonna take. You're not gonna knock out Vince McMahon and take him out with one story, with one thing. With it's you're gonna need a full palette. of of stories, witnesses, accounts ready to go. There's a reason that the the title of this documentary was The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon, because there's no reason he should have been able to avoid this for 40 years. Dave Meltzer said something on a podcast he was doing with, uh, with Garrett Gonzalez, the Fight Game podcast. He said that, you know, you don't realize how much Vince McMahon has really gotten away with because it's been spread out over so much time and so much happens in between, you know, just stuff out of your, you know, stuff that doesn't have to do with it, stuff that takes your mind off of things. But when it's all put together in this compact, you know, two hour documentary, it's like, God damn, you know, what, essentially what a monster, you know what I mean? Like how, how is, how have you been able to do this? How have you been able to Donald Trump your way to the top spot in wrestling? Like I, that's, that's my main that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from this whole thing is we all knew it was a matter of time, but you know, when the time came, it still was a shocking moment, but I you know, I, I say good riddance. 2023 should be the year that we forget about Vince McMahon we the Vince McMahon shouldn't even be a topic in 2023. And John Laurinaitis, he sh, he damn sure shouldn't be no topic of anything ever
0: again. Amen to everything that you just said because it's been fuck Johnny Ace Absolutely. on this show for a very long time. I have buried this dude repeatedly. He can go kick rocks forever. So convinced we had weeks on weeks of discussion on our regular show, on the free feed about this. And you sum it up perfectly. We don't need to mention this guy's name ever again. Don't come back. We like the things, how they are right now. We like how things are right now in WWE. It's much better without you. Week damn one without you here has been a blessing since the summer of 2022. Goodbye, good riddance, never come back again. And I still have to admonish the fans that gave other fans a bad rep because you cheered him repeatedly every time he came out for the last pop, and you know what he said every time he went backstage: "Fuck y'all." Essentially, I'm all about my pop. I don't give a fuck about y'all. That was him, and you still cheer. Now, I don't think that'll happen now, so to speak. Maybe at a Hall of Fame ceremony, dexter ceremony. I don't know, but. Just the cheering repeatedly, it irked me because these accusations are serious and they're true and you still cheer. Like you can't separate, yeah, he did great things for WWE, but at the same time, he's a trash person. He could be an angel one minute and the devil the next and the devil outweighs all of his good work. But why are you cheering for him? That was my issue. And it happened time and time again. And every time he popped up, it just made my skin crawl because he was all about the vanity pop to make sure he felt good for five good minutes. No more. No more pops for you. Stay away.
1: He's a fiend. He's a fiend for the pop. He's a fiend for that for that feel good moment because he has nothing to feel good about when he goes home. Like there's when he goes home and just sits there, he's, there's, he has nothing to feel good about. So he needs to go out there because he knew his time was running out. So he, as a fiend, would do. He's like, let me get my last fix in before they take this all away. Like, that's all that was. And it, it essentially was a big middle finger to all of, those, all of those women. That was a middle finger to every single one of those that came forward. Like, yo, yeah, middle finger to you. Here's the double bird. Do you know who I am? Like, that, That's all that was. That was him doing a Vince McMahon strut to the ring, even though he couldn't do it anymore because his, he don't have no kneecaps and his body is melting off. <laughs> but that's a whole other story for another day. But that, that's all that was. And it's just it, – it, it does give the fans – but then you got to think, they're just terrible people in general who are probably out there like, well, you know, it hasn't been proven guilty, so we don't know if it's true or not. How do we know that they're not making it up to get paid? Like, we absolutely have idiots out there like that. So, it's it's just a shame that they they're openly cheering them on TV, but that's Vince McMahon. He's like he he knew that. He knew that though. He knew that. He knew what he was doing when he went out there, and he knew he would be on national television after these allegations came out getting cheered on TV. I, it's, I mean, it, that is an arrogant scumbag who has no fear of consequences. That's, that's all he
0: is. And he thinks he still shouldn't feel those consequences. He thought, oh, it would blow over. I could have withheld. I could have withstood the storm, so to speak. I could have outlasted the controversy. The fact is, more stories are coming. Somebody on that board of directors, might be your own daughter, might be your son-in-law. They don't want you there anymore and they'll keep leaking and at some point people that you've paid off might want to say something or people that have not been paid off but been through something might say something about you and your actions and to the fans that don't believe it please look at the tv there's a thing called the peacock you can tune up an episode of monday night raw smackdown from the last 30 years and you can see segments involving the women's division we reviewed a show, Scott, in 2005 at SummerSlam, and it was the divas was washing Vince's car in bikinis, rubbing it down, and he's in the back seat, living it up, doing God knows what, doing God knows what. Those were the optics. Storylines involving himself and Tori Wilson and other people, him and Sable, for example. You want to say it's not true? He was playing this shit out. On live tv if he had an axe to he'll do it on tv there's things we're privy to we can never say on the air let's just say it's facts we know this to be true there's no reason for people to lie
1: this dude was this dude was actively making out with candace michelle for weeks at, you know for weeks like he was just making out with random women for weeks like when the ECW, when he was ECW champion, I, I'm pretty sure he had all three of them dancing all over him, covering their boobs. Kelly Kelly was like 19. Like that's, I, you know what? I'm done with Vince. We, this is the end of 2022. This is the end of Vince McMahon. Um, you know, he they, they said, he said he would die in the chair. Well, the Vince McMahon character, the Vince McMahon person in charge is dead. Vince McMahon to me with WWE is dead. So here's the 2023 and no more Vince.
0: And to um, quote Carmelo Hayes indirectly from a great rap lyric, rest and piss Vince McMahon. Absolutely. Rest and piss to all my ops, which is you, sir. I'm going to leave that alone as we bury him and may he never come back to WWE. But with Vince gone, Triple H says, guess what, bitch? I'm back. You demoted me. You took away my NXT. You took away my livelihood. I had a heart problem, went through it, almost died. And honestly, thing think that might have been a broken heart. Not going to lie, because you took everything away from him. You stripped him of his power. You fired his confidants, his colleagues. Shawn Michaels had to pull rank and really try to salvage NXT in his absence. And now Triple H is back in charge with the book running the main roster. Shawn Michaels is in charge of NXT and... And since then, I think that things have been much better. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. There are some flaws here and there. But in terms of common sense, consistency, and the effort to put on great shows, I have to give Triple H credit. It's been a much better product across the board. There are exceptions. SmackDown Women's Division needs a lot of help. But in terms of big shows like SummerSlam, Clash of the Castle, Survivor Series and Concept. All of those shows have been pretty strong. Ticket sales strong for the Rumble, WrestleMania, Elimination Chamber, sold out in Montreal. Ticket sales for TV shows have been pretty damn solid. Crowds iffy. Sometimes when they're hot, they're great. So you do see this upswing in business for WWE. And that is a huge part of Triple H taking rank, taking charge, and really trying his best to make WWE better. There are flaws, but I'm happier than I was six months ago in terms of the direction of this company.
1: You know, for me, I think Triple H should be thanking Vince McMahon for one thing he did do before he left. And I think creating the 2.0, um, and I know I know, people are going to be like, are you serious? Doing the 2.0, that's the only reason we have Braun Breaker. That's the reason we have Carmelo Hayes where he is. That's the reason... At least, in my opinion, why the Creed brothers are where they are, the women we talked about with that division, I don't think that happens without that 2.0 shift. Now, let's be honest; they didn't really, th- they didn't really think too much of it. They just threw some paint on the board, like, "Oh, we could use that for the background." That's a good idea. Um, but besides that, like, I, I thought, I thought that the 2.0 experiment worked, as far as when we were, look at look at look at my boy Big Daddy V Von Wagner where he was when he started day one, showing up in that fatal four-way, looking like a deer in headlights, just being a guy, to now being a solid big man down there, who whenever he does get called up to the main roster, he's going to be solid. He's going to be a solid big man. The 2.0 thing, I, it works. And I think that's something that Vince, that Triple H, I'm sorry, has been able to now kind of take and put his stamp on it. And see, this is where I think the be- the mixture of it is where it works good because Vince McMahon went a little too overboard with it by having these wrestlers who weren't ready wrestling each other, you know. And that's not the formula. You've got to have the, the 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 greener, the greener, the the less experienced wrestlers wrestling the veterans, you know. And that that's what you have the veterans for. And that's where I think Triple H is going to be better about bringing these veterans in, and we see that. With the main roster coming down. You know, we've seen Dolph Ziggler come down and work with Braun Breaker, uh, and, and work with Tomas well, Tommaso Champa doesn't really need it because he's a 20-year veteran. But, you know, we in the New Day coming down to work with Pretty Deadly, Ricochet coming down and having a match with Carmelo Hayes. I think AJ Styles coming down and doing that little short program with Grayson Waller. I think Triple H has done a really good job of kind of infusing the main roster with the nxt talent and i think that's where he's really going to flourish um because let's not forget the survivor series they had with nxt was one of the best ones that you know, it was a really enjoyable show so i think that's where triple h is really going to thrive is with his baby in particular is making is kind of integrating that the younger talent and you know sending guys down and i think that's a good way to keep your main roster guys fresh like i'd love for the new day to not be on smackdown and raw for a little bit while they're on nxt like Treat it as, you know, an excursion type thing where you don't see them for a while. You keep them fresh and they come back in a couple months and bam, it's like, oh, look at that. They're back now. So I, I look forward to that with Triple H. The stories are definitely more streamlined. It seemed like there's a purpose. And again, the women are definitely getting more of a main event spotlight. Like almost every faction, it feels like, has a woman at the center of it. You know, Selena Vega is at the center of Gato. Uh, Sarah Logan is at the center of the Vikings or the Viking Raiders um, or whatever horror movie that they're doing right now, <laughs> and, and uh, um, you know so and that's and that's fine like that's cool because these that Selena Vegas should be the centerpiece of a group like that, um, so I, I I think that's where Triple H is really going to thrive now.
0: Agreed. And as we transition to NXT, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about NXT 2.0 in the last year or so. And I think I was at the place of the happy medium of there was a bottleneck for a very long time of people that have been down in developmental for a very long time and trying to make their way to TV. And we saw people like Brian Breaker, who was just amazing from day one, just sitting at the warehouse, just doing his reps every single day. And Vince walks through one day and says, hey this guy might want to be a star on TV. He, he might have what it takes to be a standout. And sure enough, he was. We think about Tony D'Angelo, Carmelo Hayes. We think about the Creed Brothers, for example, who I thought were just beasts when I first saw them during the last days of Black and Gold. And you see them really come into their own in the last year or so. You think about Tiffany Stratton, you think about a lot of people that have had no experience, but find a way to get better by putting in the work behind the scenes and on TV. And when you work with experienced talent, you're going to learn faster. Because my one drawback with NXT 2.0 is green leading green is going to lead to more green. And that is never a good combination. And this is not a finishing school for you to get ready for Raw and SmackDown on live TV when you're not ready for live TV. That was my issue within XT 2.0 and the generic jobs people would have Duke Hudson, the poker player, Tony D'Angelo, the mobster. We had a guy that's supposed to be an equalizer at one point, and he was released a short time later from WWE. Those are my core issues within XT2 the antiquated 1990s superstars of it all. I go to Toxic Attraction and their presentation, which is very sexualized to reach a younger fan base, as we always joked about horny hours hitting after 9 p.m. every Tuesday night. And we kept saying, you know, there's a thing called the Internet and there are sites you can go to that are free for you to see what you need to see uncensored and uncut and you're not going to drive up viewership for men that way. They learned that lesson fairly quickly. But with Triple H back in charge and Walker, Texas HBK running rank now, you do see this more synergistic energy between NXT and the main roster, that things matter in NXT and they matter on Raw and SmackDown and it all makes sense together. You can have people get called up like the new day ever so often come down NXT, have a little fun, Put people over, maybe win a championship or two, then give back and get someone over. That's the beauty of NXT from where it was ten or so years ago when they were at full sell doing the exact same thing they're doing now, but it's on a bigger scale with it being on national television.
1: Yeah, and and you know now you know with, with Sean Hunter Walker Texas HBK Michaels <laughs> Ranger, um, you know he's given us new matches. You know they're creating new matches for him to promote. And and we're getting stuff like that. The only thing we were getting when Vince McMahon was running the 2.0 was different camera shots of toxic attraction during the commercials. Like that was the commercial. It was literally a butt cheek of one of them, a a, a boob shot of one of them, and then it shows them in a seductive face saying, what was the tagline? You can feel it. Wasn't that the tagline?
0: I I know. Okay. (laughs) Because. Right. Wasn't it? You can feel me. I feel Uh it. I, I got it, as close as it gets. There it
1: is. There it is. As they as they get into every single curve <laughs> on their body, and all three of them are, are like curvy women. So like, and and you know they bend and they they got the arches going. Like they are telling them to do everything that someone apparently can't do on her own. But um, mm-hmm. they're, they're 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 telling them to do it for this commercial, and they're like, yeah, you know, as close as it gets. And you know, oh boy, he got to be talking and and his you know his. 2 a.m. you gotta pay $2.99 a minute back in the day voice, you know. So <laughs> you you know what they going for. It's just like it's, it, it was it was a bit much what they were doing with that. that. Cause they they it was definitely an attempt to be like, look, guys, look guys, look, 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 we got boobs, look, boobs. You can't see anything for real though, but we got boobs.
0: We got boobs. We, we, got got legs. Legs. Yeah, we got legs ridiculous yeah ass <laughs> we got cheeks here cheeks there cheeks right. everywhere we got six cheeks for you we got three sets of boobs boom i mean like it was so egregious it was so melgazy don't and forget I them having it. sex
1: too duke and uh, parada and oh all my that
0: god listen the only thing i got out of that was duke hudson could get some cheddar biscuits out of me. <laughs> he could get some cheddar biscuits out of me. You know, he was a very good kisser, and that is a qualification I need in life. Uh. If you're gonna try to get some cheddar biscuits, he 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 understood the assignment too well, but he understood the assignment at the time. I ain't gonna lie.
1: He yeah, had me questioning whether they was dating for real. Okay, I was. I like, was wow. like, yo, y'all together for real? Like, <laughs> like are y'all are y'all going out for real after this? Because if not, y'all probably should at least try it. Y'all should at least. <laughs> go on a date and see because
0: you got sparks good lord i was like okay then i because i think i made the joke on the show on our free feed like i'll take whatever duke and and persia are doing versus whatever the hell sammy and ty are doing on AEW tv like that's way more believable and sizzling like good lord almighty i felt uncomfortable but in a good way because i felt wow damn duke I, I, felt like,
1: I felt like I shouldn't have been watching. I feel like that was something they should have been doing behind closed doors. I, I feel like they forgot the
0: cameras were on. Yeah. I felt like I was interrupting a moment. Right. right. Several moments. I was like, damn, Duke, though. You could get it, though. I ain't gonna lie. You did good, son. But yeah, those were that was horny hours back then. But as Scott alluded to, Mandy Rose was a 400 plus day NXT Women's Champion. And as we record the show, she's been released by WWE for some fan time stuff that was a bit racy, crossed some lines, so to speak. And my mindset is, well, you used her sexuality for a year and she's trying to make bank and you're like, halt. Now, I will say if she did post stuff that was a little bit too risque and this is a family company. I completely understand that. But it's just very interesting to me that for over a year, you zoomed in on her assets. But now, when she's trying to use her assets to her advantage by using her agency as a woman to do what she needs to do to make a bank, now it's a problem.
1: Now, I, I will say this, because I, I agree with you on that. I, I agree with you 100%. I will say this, it is like, and like we've talked about, this is a different regime. Like, I don't think she gets to like, go under vents. And I I think. I think Vince figures out a way to I, I don't know. I, maybe 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 she still does. Maybe she still does get released under Vince or maybe it's just a suspension or something but I cuz I I feel like Vince would I feel like Vince is one of the subscribers anyway. So I <laughs> I'm just saying like because let's let's keep it 100. We we know Matt Bloom apparently Matt Bloom snitched So uh, he's obviously a subscriber and he obviously (laughs) dropped the bread to get behind whatever paywall he needed to, to see, he was like, Whoa. I mean, mean, look, look at that, Sean. Look at that, dude. Do you see that? We look at that. Like I, I get it, but it's just like you, you have spent a year doing that and they've done better with it recently. Like they Mm -hmm. haven't been doing the shots on her, you know, on her, just her butt or, you know, zooming from coming from the ground up on her sideways to get side. Like they were doing all kinds of crazy camera angles with them through what come out. And they've been a lot better about that. It's just presenting her now as just this champion, this dominant champion, even with Gigi and and uh, JC, they've kind of toned down their bit a little bit too. And I, I do think it's interesting that this does come out now with the whole Mandy thing. I, I I wonder if she's if she's just like, yo, I just don't care anymore or if it's more of a, you know, I, I just wonder what the mindset is because, like, she had a good thing going. I, I do wonder if somebody led them on to that or if it was something that they already knew about and was just like, yo, you have until this state to f- figure it out. Or we're gonna we're gonna let you go because they just I mean like I don't I don't know what was I don't know exactly what was on the video but you know and I'm gonna go ahead and tell you this right now I ain't paying nobody no money to go check nothing out anyway so I ain't paying for no cheeks you know I, I don't need to pay for none of that I, I Pornhub RedTube you you porn I don't, so I don't need the paywall. uh, So I don't know what they got going on and I'm not going to know because I ain't paying nobody to see no cheeks.
0: But I respect her hustle. Absolutely. Go ahead, Mandy. Make your money. And if she decides to come back to wrestling, good for you. And we'll see what other companies are nibbling at the bit for her maybe to give her a little leeway regarding this endeavor. I wonder how AEW would feel about it. Would she still be able to do her thing on the side and pursue a wrestling career? I'm not sure. But You never know, WWE might re-sign her because I just can't imagine Toxic Attraction without her. She was definitely the centerpiece for them for well over a year. And now we got Gigi and Jesse going at it as a tag team. They'll be fine. But Mandy was their star. She was the glue that held this crew together. And now they're all by themselves.
1: And, you know, uh, the Brace for Impact podcast, uh, J.D. and Mike, they talked about Manny possibly going to Impact, and I kind of like that. I, I think it'd be good for Manny to kind of. This is if she wants. This is the, depending on how serious she is about the wrestling thing, the wrestling side of this all, this whole thing. Because I think it'd be good just for her to just kind of go to a different company, wrestle different people, different styles. Like it's always good just to have to do all the you know to wrestle those different styles and and just to get the different types of matchups. And she would be a big, she would be a bigger fish there in that pond, you know, just because of her name value. She would bring a little bit more attention to that women's division. She's a solid hand. Uh, she's become re- pretty decent in the ring. And as far as Gigi and JC goes, Sonya Deville is right there as far as a natural replacement. Her and Mandy have history. Um, they already did a triple. They already did a triple power bomb shield tribute. So they got history. So Sonya Deville is right there if they wanted to continue uh, a kind of if they wanted to keep them in a group with somebody to be the centerpiece around.
0: Absolutely. And she is definitely right there. She'd be a great partner for them. She popped up in NXT recently and I thought, oh, this is Toxic Attraction 2.0. That might be the future very soon for them. And it could be a level up. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, Mandy had a good run. On NXT, she definitely got better. I think that would have been a way for her to get back to the main roster and be a more complete performer. I don't think you have seen the last of her in WWE. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, if she's making paper, more so than she was in the main roster, go, Mandy, make your money, honey. Do what you got to do for you. I'm not mad at your hustle.
1: No, and you can keep making that money and go to Impact and nobody will care. I mean, Jordan Grace does the same thing.
0: Exactly. and so, Les She just uses food. Hey, less dates. Keep (laughs) your money. right? Hey, rack it up. That might be a good avenue for her as well. The uh, viewership will be limited, unfortunately for her. But hey, you're still making bank on the side. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. As we now move on to our last topic, which is hopes, For the new year, what are our expectations for WWE heading into 2023, especially WrestleMania season? Because, you know, back in the early 2000s, probably around until the early 20-teens, the WrestleMania card was laid out by, what, early January, maybe around this time in late December. You had a framework of what WWE was going to do for WrestleMania. And thankfully, we're getting back to those days, a true game plan for WrestleMania. So, Scott, what are your expectations heading into the Warrior Rumble, into WrestleMania, and what can WWE do to build on what they've done with Vince's departure, and really seeing our first true Rumble and WrestleMania under the Triple H administration?
1: Well, I mentioned <clears throat> mentioned this at the top of the show, but this is this is kind of the the 2023 is the clean slate. This is Triple H's year. To really, um, you know, this is where the pivot starts. You know, twenty twenty two was that pivot, but now it's now we see the journey from the pivot from that era. That's the end of an era. That's the end of the Vince era. This is the Triple H era of Monday of of WWE, and the Royal Rumble. We we touched on it. It's so important because this is the one pay per view that can draw and bring back Laps fans bring new fans in. Um, And just because there's so many elements to it, the intrigue of who's coming back, the intrigue of what big story are we going to build to? And you've also got the, so many elements at play here, the Roman Reigns element, you know, that's, that's the biggest story in wrestling right now is, is Roman Reigns, the bloodline and all that. And so the Royal Rumble ties into that. And after the, the abomination That was the Shane McMahon horror show, a.k.a. Royal Rumble 2022. You have to come with something stronger. Like You you have to rebound. Triple H has to show this is what a Royal Rumble is supposed to look like. And he has an opportunity to do that. And it's like this year, everything is going to be highly criticized. It's going to be highly put under a microscope because you could say last year that you know, I'm finishing up plans that were already in place. You know, I, I'm 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 just you know this isn't how I I'm just doing things that were already there. I'm running letting stories run their course. You don't have those same fallbacks in 2023. Everything is like this is all you. You've had your returns. You know, you've you've got the wrestlers there that you want. You've got the guys that you built around in NXT. You've got Johnny Gargano out there being the most unlikable babyface. In wrestling, and that's that was your top baby face in your in nXt so this is gonna be the year where we see what Triple H is really going to bring to the table when it comes to his reign as the the head of w w e
0: yeah, this is a big test for him, and I'm looking forward to the Warrior Rumble. To get the proper redo from the shit we got earlier this year. Which was a disaster. Shane McMahon will not be a part of this Warrior Rumble produ- production. So um, we're not going to make any predictions. It's too early for that. But I am looking forward to seeing two fresh winners. That have never won before. Kill it. And possibly main event WrestleMania. As for WrestleMania. Bloodline. Going in strong. Got a feeling that won't be the case when the night's over.
1: I'll say this. I think Solo ends up being the only person from the bloodline that wins their match at WrestleMania. Um, I'll throw another bold prediction out there. I mentioned that I I potentially thought that the IWGP women's champion, Kyrie Sane could possibly show up in a women's Royal Rumble. Um, You know, Triple H always, you know, treated her really well in NXT I I think we I wouldn't be surprised if we see a male wrestler too. I mean, we got Carl Anderson going over there. WWE doesn't do things out of the kindness of their heart. Triple H, you know, I like the guy, but he he he, he ain't no saying either. You know, he he's not doing stuff out of the kindness of his heart. He's getting something back. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw um, a, a a new Japan wrestler show up, uh, maybe in a Royal Rumble. Uh, and I, another prediction: I think we're going to see a lot more, maybe not a lot more, but I think we're going to see more national uh, PLEs that are created and in, and in, in, as the same scale as a clash of the champion. Like I think it's going to be a a more regular thing to go to these different countries and different places and get these different rabid fan bases, uh, and because that's that's a Triple H thing. Triple H has always wanted to expand globally that was his big plan when NXT was to expand globally essentially take over the world and he was definitely on his best pinky in the brain thing what's the plan today take over the world um but so that's that's what i i fully expect for 2023 from triple h is for him to continue to try to expand and hit different countries uh with some of these big shows very similar to the clash
0: yeah i do agree so do you expect any surprises
1: Oh, well, I, I, like I said, I do think a new Japan wrestler is going to show up. Um, I, I, I just feel like we're going to get something back. I, I, um, no, I, I don't think nothing, no, no, no big surprises. Um, like, I don't think a, I don't think a wrestler's jumping ship is like a surprise type say. Um, so the only, No, no big surprises that I can think of unless Naomi comes back and she decides to join the bloodline. I would be surprised if that happens.
0: That would be very surprising. That would be something that would be very unexpected heading into the new year, not out of the realm of possibility. So you're saying no forbidden doors be knocked on or walk through for WWE, at least at the start of this year.
1: Nah, I don't I don't think we'll be. I don't think for at Forbidden Door 2 we'll be having that WWE versus New Japan versus AEW triple threat match. Um but uh, I I don't think it's far off. I think in 2-3 years, I I maybe like 2 years or 2-3 years, I absolutely think we could see that Forbidden Door open for WWE. I just don't that's just not what WWE does. Like I could see them coming to WWE to play, but WWE just doesn't seem like the type that wants to let their wrestlers go over there and play because they don't want to lose to them and seem lesser. So no, nah, I don't think any forbidden doors are open in 2023.
0: Yeah. But you never know. It's always an interesting year when it comes to professional wrestling. And you never say never. We looked at Cody Rhodes, leaving W leaving AEW and reentering wwe and uh i am going to throw one name out there and one name out there only depending how the contract situation goes how the buyout goes and how one felt about wrestlemania this year i will go to one phil brooks cm punk will would hell freeze over scott i don't know
1: well (laughs) listen the only people who can match the pettiness of of Tony Khan and, and Triple H is CM Punk. And I could see CM Punk being like, listen, I don't like you, Triple H. You don't like me, but we both don't like Tony Khan. Let's go make some money. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's how the conversation would go. I think you got an ugly nose. You think I'm I'm a fat, skinny dude. We hate that nerd. Let's go make some money and, and and show them what we got. Like I could, I could, I could absolutely see that happen. And you know what? I'm a, I think Stone Cold wrestles another match as well. I believe so as well. Against who would be the question. Now, if Sammy wasn't involved in this whole story with the bloodline, I would have picked Sammy. Like if I if I would have you would have asked me last year if Stone Cold was gonna wrestle, who would it be? I would have probably said Sammy just because of that. Speaking of it now, I could see Stone Cold wrestling somebody like an Austin Theory, somebody young who can move around, who can just take, who can just take the bumps, can just bounce around for them, who can really kind of carry the match with their personality as well, who's over, who can use the matchup as a way to just be elevated by being in the match. So if I had to pick somebody, I would say Austin Theory. I know people want to say him versus Cena. I'm hoping that Cena, I'm still hoping for Cena versus Gunther for the IC title at WrestleMania. I know Gunther versus Brock is sexy, and it is sexy. But yeah, Austin Theory would be my pick.
0: You know what? He takes one hell of a stunner. Yeah. That man flew (laughs) very high in the air. (laughs) Great sell. Great sell. That was probably one of the greatest sales I've seen from a stunner ever. And that's saying something. And now this theory is even better than... The one that was delivering or taking that center, I should say, last year. Or so I'm all for that. Great pick. So Stone Cold in L. A. Will The Rock be in L. A. Scott? That's another question.
1: <sighs> that is the the big one. You know i I would be all for you know that further rumor of Romer and defending the title on both nights and possibly losing the title, losing both titles both nights. I'd love for him to defend the first title against Cody, lose that because that's my Royal Rumble pick. And then, uh, yeah, I, I actually I do I do think the Rock shows up. I, I think that they in LA they're gonna try to make this the biggest WrestleMania of all time. And how what better could what more could you do to make that bigger than have Stone Cold wrestle on night one, have The Rock wrestle on night two, have Brock Lesnar wrestle on night one, have Roman Reigns wrestle on night two, like ronda rousey logan paul probably throw a bad bunny in there yeah i i i think they do i think they talk that man into it he's gonna be pissed off anyway he ain't got he ain't doing nothing with the dc universe they james gunn like yeah bro we're going to shut you down he's gonna be like, all right friend. i'm going a, I'm a, i'm a bang and clang and go back to the ring then so yeah I, I i think dwayne the rock johnson comes back and we get that head of the table match
0: I believe so as well. And uh, based on Rock's schedule and some box office stigma jiggies with Black Adam, you might need some cleansing PR and a WrestleMania main event might do the trick.
1: And listen, if the Rock's not going to show up, I am all for Roman Reigns losing those titles to Cody and Seth Rollins.
0: I am here for that as well. And I want my, fourth match between Cody and Seth because their series of matches this year was great. And that is one of the very few matches in WWE. I would love to see time and time again, because it gets better every single time. I'll offer that split the titles back between raw and SmackDown. I'm good. And this is basically as far as we can go with predictions, because we don't want to go too far. into the rabbit hole as we look forward to a brand new year in WWE. Prepping for the Royal Rumble WrestleMania season is upon us. It's going to be quite the year in WWE. Cannot wait to see how it all plays out. But that is a wrap for the business year in review for WWE. A lot of highs, some lows mixed in, but it was never a boring moment in WWE. Going down is quite possibly the most newsworthy year in WWE history.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna I, I just, I'm gonna stick to that word that it's gonna be that pivot year that we look back on and we just see the changes and we see kind of the changing of the guard, the changing of the regime and just how things are run. Twenty twenty two is gonna be that year, but this twenty twenty three year that we're coming into, that's gonna be the telling year of what is to come and, and how good things can possibly get or how bad they might go.
0: That is true. You never know. And that's the beauty of watching WWE, the behind-the-scenes machinations, the business, the TV, all of it is very unpredictable. it's been a lot of fun to cover this year. Can't wait for next year. And with that, that is a wrap for the year that was in WWE and hope that you enjoyed this very wide-ranging discussion of the highs and lows in terms of business and television for WWE. I want to thank Scott for joining me as always as we chop it all up, WWE, on the business side of things this time around.
1: Yes, Keela, for the past year, it's been a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. A um, couple things I want to say because I'm pretty sure this is the last episode. of I'm going to be on the Patreon for 2022. Uh Rey Mysterio is the worst father uh, (laughs) in in WWE. Uh, The Warriors suck. Steph Curry is a bum. Uh, LeBron James is that guy. And um, shout out to The Miz.
0: Peace. You know what? (laughs) So I have the power to um, edit that portion off the show. That slanderous last minute of comments you made repping the Miz and his broke ass. And have also
1: enjoy the Warriors
0: talk. You know. the um, Shout out to Gigi. The Warriors, you know, even I am disgusted with them right now. <laughs> you know, I am offended by my Warriors. It's, it's rough in these streets. It's very difficult. But as being a fair person, I'm going to allow this to stay on the show. I'm not going to cut it. I'm going to let you marinate in this hate. Have this little W for now. Enjoy it. And just remember, the Lakers ain't shit. LeBron's (laughs) old as fuck. And (laughs) they're still trying to climb their way into a plan, and it's not Christmas yet. So boo-hoo to you.
1: Hey, listen, LeBron James in year 20 is still putting up numbers. You know, the Lakers, we're getting there. We're going to make the playoffs. I'm going to go into it. We're going to make the playoffs. No question about that. We'll get it together by all-star break. Uh, But again, and I know we got to go, but it's the last thing I'm going to say about this. I just need to know why Kendrick Nunn is still playing. I'm still trying to figure out what contribution he's bringing to the table. But besides that, you know, you're right. What
0: did you say?
1: I said, you're right. You're right. The Lakers right now, we ain't, we ain't doing too much right now, but we will make the playoffs. We're going to get it together after the All-Star break. And uh, you, you're right. I'm just trying to figure out what Kendrick Nunn's bringing to the table.
0: I need you to say it again.
1: Nah, you got it twice. No,
0: I need it like a third time.
1: People got to pay to hear me tell you you're right.
0: Mm, there we go. <laughs>
1: they they got to pay to hear
0: that. <laughs> and it's worth all $5 to hear you say, I'm right on this show. Thank you very much. And it's a $5 worth spent. Thank you all for listening to this very unique year in review for WWE. And on the free feed, whenever this drops, you're going to get some freebies as well, including the 2022 Rap Awards, giving out the best and worst honors for WWE, the TV shows, the matches, all the stuff in between. Plus, you're going to get the War Games free version on the free feed that you got on the Patreon. If you missed it, it's going to be right there for you once again to download and to listen to during the holiday season. So peruse all that, dive into the archives for all things Fiky Media, a lot of great content, courtesy of us and everybody on the team. I want to thank all of you for tuning in every month with our throwback shows and this show with more to come heading into the new year. So for myself and for Perky Scott Young, notorious Warriors hater, a Lakers lover to a fault, I don't know why, but I love him anyway. You know, that last part is going to be cut off the show. (laughs) Unacceptable. (laughs) Egregious. (laughs) But in all seriousness, guys, enjoy your holiday season. Stay safe out there and enjoy the year there was of professional wrestling, especially WWE. And we'll be back on the Patreon next year covering a Warrior Rumble, which year we do not know. But it will be fun times nonetheless. So for myself and for Scott, Happy New Year. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.